Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. you, Lord, for the gift of worship. Lord of hosts, you're with us, with us in the fire, with us as a shelter, with us in the storm. You will lead us through the fiercest battle, but where else would we go but with the Lord of hosts? I didn't realize how appropriate that song was when I picked out that video before the events that took place this week and still taking place in Ukraine. Uh, He will lead us through the fiercest battle. And Lord, we pray you will lead the Ukrainian people through their fiercest battle, that you will unravel and destroy the demonic plans of destruction aimed at Ukraine in Jesus' name. Tony just told me, and, and I, you know, we've had these flags for years, right? There's a white one for surrender, there's a, a, a gold one for royalty, and, and the blue one, I guess, is for royalty too. But these two flags, that's the colors of the Ukrainian flag. And he was waving them during that song, and that's a song that I, th- I think they could all relate to if they, if they knew it. Now this is the white flag that I often will go through here before any bell shows up. What's, what's the white flag? What? Yeah, well, I guess it, it's purity, but also in the, old, in the old westerns, when the cowboys would wave the white flag, what'd that mean? Surrender, right? When I wave this before people show up, it's like I'm saying, Lord, I surrender. I'm prepared, but I surrender my plans to your plans. I pray everybody that walks up that walkway and comes in these doors will surrender and, and just trust you more, but, but the, the blue and the yellow is definitely Ukraine. I brought a hat, too, another illustration. I was given this hat in 1988, and it's the Ukrainian colors and their national symbol, and it says Ukraine in Ukrainian on it. And like I told you, I grew up in a little town with Polish and Ukrainian immigrants. And in 1988, they were celebrating 1,000 years of Christianity in Ukraine. Started in 988. 988. So 1988, that was 1,000 years. So Christians been in Ukraine for a while. And uh, we got to keep praying for these people. Uh, I got a phone call this week. And it's a friend of ours who went to school with Amy and Tanya. And she said, hey, uh, when do you do your prayer walk at Walker Valley High School? And I said, well, we always do it the Sunday before school starts. It's usually like that first Sunday in August, maybe the last of July. But we do it the Sunday before the school starts. And she said, well, tell me a little bit about it. I said, well, we have teams. We break up into teams, and we cover the campus from the front gates to the front doors to the ball fields to the hallways to the auditorium, the stage, the uh, cafeteria the gym. I mean, we just cover the campus with prayer. I said, why do you ask? She said, well, a friend of mine works at the school. Now, 
Recently, you may have heard I had an incident. Jane knows about it. Others probably know about it. A kid brought a knife, pulled a knife on a kid. Thankfully, nobody got hurt, but they busted him, and he had two knives in his car. But this, this woman was saying, but, you know, normally, Walker Valley is a safe place to be. They don't have the trouble. They don't have as much fighting. I'm sure, you know, you got 1,600 teenagers. There's bound to be stuff going down all the time. But, you know, they're, they're not having the cops come in all the time. They're, they're, they're not having to bust up fights all the time. And, I mean, it's just, from what she said was, it seems like a safe school. And then she said, and I believe a lot has to do with that church. They have praise over it. She says, do you know about that church? She says, yeah, my, my friend's dad's the pastor, Bob Z. He says, oh, yeah, well, we're glad they're there. We're glad they're praying for us. So that was so encouraging to hear, you know, because you wonder, are we making a difference? Are we making an impact? And I believe we are, you know, and, and this just was something that I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. That was good to hear. So, so be encouraged. Um, we got to realize what a privilege we have here, right? I mean, think about it. 14 years ago, it'll be 15 years to end of July, but God opened the door for us here 14 years ago. And some of us have been here since day one. Thank you for persevering, because I know it hadn't been easy. A lot of people have come and gone. Some have stayed longer than others. Some have left and come back. We've had a whole lot of people in here in the last 14 years. I've saved all the visitors' cards, whether they ever come back. You should see how many visitors' cards I have. There's probably a couple thousand. We've had three different school principals. You know, we're working on our third principal, and we're still here, praise God. So that, that's the favor of God on us. He put us here. I'm convinced of that. He put us here 14 years ago, and he has a purpose, and he's got plans for us. And I don't want to miss out on those. And I know intercessory prayer is a big part of that purpose and plan, to be praying for this school, to be praying for this community. But do we realize what a privilege it is to pray over this campus and 1,500, 1,600 students that fill this place Monday through Friday during the school year? And then there's the principal and the administrative staff, there's the teachers, there's the coaches, there's the cafeteria staff, there's a custodial staff, I believe. Sometimes I wonder, but I think there is a custodial staff. The bus drivers, the people that come and volunteer. I mean, it's just, that's a whole lot of people. And God has positioned you and me right here to pray for him. It's a privilege, but it's also an incredible responsibility. And thinking about that responsibility, I realized something. I realized that Jesus takes prayer a whole lot more serious than I do. It's true. So let me ask you, do you think Jesus takes prayer a whole lot more serious than you do too? Maybe. If you read the Bible at all, you know Jesus, oh. <coughs> Jesus was devoted to prayer while he was here on the earth. He modeled prayer for us, right? He often went away by himself to get away from the crowd, get away from the noise. He taught us how to pray. He, he prayed for us in John's gospel. In chapter 17, there's a section for all who would believe in the future. That's you and me. And he's in heaven right now interceding for us. Think of that, for us, right now. That's amazing. So Jesus is very devoted to prayer, and he wants you and me to be devoted to prayer as well. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be devoted to something or someone? Here's the definition of the word devote. 
to concentrate on a particular pursuit, cause, or purpose to give all or a large part of one's time and resources to. So what, what are we really devoted to? What are we willing to give a large part of our time and our resources to? What particular pursuit or cause or purpose are we really focused and concentrating on? I know we have a little joke between Lisa and Dean and me and Bobby. We're concentrating on football, right? On a football team. Are you concentrating? And, and that's like, you know, it's a pursuit, a cause, a purpose. Because we're devoted to a variety of things, aren't we? We may be devoted to our families, and we should. We better be devoted to our families, our spouse, our kids, our grandkids. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. We may be devoted to our, our jobs or our businesses. We know how important it is to, to, to sh hit the time clock on time and be dependable and, and good workers. You think about it, Christians should be the most dependable and trustworthy employees wherever they work, right? Amen? I didn't hear many amens on that one. <laughs> anyway, anyway, because if we're not doing those things, then we're a poor, poor witness. We may be devoted to staying in shape. Well, maybe first it's getting in shape and then staying in shape. And be careful about what we eat, you know? Look at Inga, right? I mean, said, well, okay, she had the surgery. So what? A lot of people have had that surgery, and they still haven't lost the weight. Inga's lost an entire person. She's devoted to this. And I'm sure her knees and her, her back and her lungs are thanking her for it. You know, she's not winded all the time, and her, her back doesn't hurt quite like it used to. I mean, that's, that's being devoted to something. But let's keep this in mind. When it comes to taking care of our bodies, there, there's a difference between being devoted and being obsessed, okay? Some people go to extremes. So we may be devoted to making healthier choices, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing. What we're putting in our bodies, what we're putting in our lungs, what we're, you know, all, all this other stuff. You know what else is a good thing? Being devoted to what we allow or don't allow our kids or our grandkids to, to watch, to listen to, to to consume, to do. All these things are, are good things to be devoted to, but how many of us can say we are truly devoted to prayer? I'm married to someone who is devoted to prayer. Every morning when I get up, Bobby gets up earlier than I do because she wants that quiet time. And when I come out of the bedroom and, and walk out into the kitchen, she's in her corner, she's got her cup of tea, she's got her Bible, she's got her prayer book, she's got her devotional. I can count on it every morning, except for Sunday morning. That's the only morning of the week I get up before her. But she's there. Now, if some morning I come out and she's not there, I'm going to think, oh, no, Jesus came back and I'm still here. Because <laughs> she's there. She's always there. Did you know uh, being devoted to prayer is a biblical command? It's not just a, a good idea. It's not something I'm trying to talk you into. This isn't a, a guilt trip uh, if you don't pray much. This, this is about a command from God's Word. Look what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossian church and to us. Colossians 4, verse 2. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That is such a good verse. 
Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Remember what Jesus told his disciples in the garden the night he got arrested? I mean, he's agonizing in prayer, right? It says his sweat was like drops of blood. And I heard that, medically speaking, if the body is under such stress that the blood vessels can burst and blood can actually seep out of your pores, that was Jesus. He's agonizing in prayer because he knows what's coming. And his disciples are asleep. And Jesus wakes them up and say, you lazy bums. Nah, he didn't say I would have said that, but he didn't say that. He asked them, couldn't you guys stay awake for one hour? Guys, I'm, I'm agonizing here. Couldn't you give me one hour? And he says, keep alert and pray. Keep alert and pray. Jesus says, keep alert and pray so you don't give in to temptation. And that's very similar to what Paul told the, the Colossians. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. An alert mind and a thankful heart. Such a good verse. All right, let's get into the title of this morning's message. It is, Devote Yourselves to Prayer. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, Jeremiah 33, and Matthew chapter 7. So Lord, we ask right now you tune us in. Everything else can wait. Pray against the spirit of distraction because we know the devil likes to come and take us off our focus. We need to hear from heaven this morning. We need to hear from you, so come and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Devote yourselves to prayer. Do you ever get tired of praying for the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? Do you ever get tired of praying for the same person over and over and over and over again? Because let's face it, it happens sometimes, especially when we don't see anything changing, Right? And sometimes we may feel like just giving up. And I have to say, thank God my wife Bobby didn't give up praying for me after she got saved. And I was still in bed. Every Sunday morning, hung over from drinking Saturday night. And Bobby would get our three little girls. They were little at the time. She'd get them dressed for church. She'd take them every Sunday while I was still in bed. And I think years later, thank God she didn't give up praying for me. She was devoted to prayer. And if you know Bobby, you know she still is devoted to prayer. Don't give up praying, okay? Don't give up praying. Jesus teaches us a terrible, a parable. Terrible. Terrible parable. No, it's a good parable. Teaches us a parable he taught his early disciples about being devoted to prayer and not giving up. It's in Luke's gospel, and I hope this encourages someone this morning. So, Lord... Encourage us from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 18, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Now, in this parable, we have a mean judge, didn't like God, didn't like people, had no fear of God, he was a godless person, and he could care less about people, not a nice guy. 
And there was a widow in that town, and widows were very vulnerable members of society in that culture and could easily be taken advantage of and manipulated. Sorry, ladies, that's just the way it was then. So this rotten judge had no reason to help this widow. She didn't have any influence. She didn't have any power. She probably didn't have any money or very little money. So there was nothing to gain for this mean judge by helping her. And we don't know exactly what this poor widow was dealing with, but obviously it was ongoing. Somebody was mistreating her or taking advantage of her or something because her constant plea was, grant me justice against my adversary. One translation reads, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. All she wants is justice. She's not trying to sue her adversary for a lot of money. She's not calling one of those, we don't get paid unless you get paid, attorneys to represent her. She just wants justice. She just wants what's fair. She wants to be treated fairly like everyone else, and she wants justice. And she didn't ask the judge to help her just once and then give up when he blew her off. It says she kept coming. She kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And if you think about it, she probably had to put a lot of effort into getting to see this guy again and again and again and again. After the first time, if he saw her coming, he probably ducked down an alley or turned away and went the other way. This rotten judge didn't like people. So I don't think he went to the local Lassiter's coffee shop and sat around all day just waiting for people to come up to him so he could talk to him. He didn't like people. Some pastors do that, but I don't know about um, mean judges. He probably went to Starbucks or not. Anyway, anyway, this widow, maybe she got up extra early and she waited for hours waiting for this judge to pass by. Or maybe she, she sat wherever the courts were, knowing he was going to show up so she could approach this guy. She was determined, and she did not give up. See, the judge had power. He had authority. He had influence in this town. But this poor widow, she had none of that. Like I said, they looked down upon her. She had no power. She had no influence. She had no authority. But she was devoted to her cause. She was devoted to her pursuit for justice and fairness. And she kept coming, and she kept coming, and she kept coming, and she kept coming to this guy with her plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So let's see if her persistence paid off. Verse four and five. For some time he refused. You know, he just kept blowing her off. Forget it, forget it. But here it comes, but finally, ah, finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, and I don't care about men or women, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. <laughs> Victory, right? It paid off. Even though this mean judge didn't fear God, he didn't care about people, he finally gives this widow the justice she's been seeking just to get rid of her. It wasn't because his heart was touched by her story. He just wanted to get rid of her. Now look at how those same two verses read in the New Living Translation, verse 4 and 5. It says, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. <laughs> driving him crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. See, she persevered. 
I'm sure she was growing weary. I'm sure she had days when she was so discouraged, but she didn't give up. And she got the justice she was pleading for. Her persistence paid off. And then Jesus finishes the parable in six, verse 6, 7, and 8. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? See, there's, there's persistence there, day and night. Who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then he says, however... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, Jesus is teaching us that if a mean, godless judge would respond to the constant pressure from this widow, how much more will a great and loving God respond to us? If we already know that God loves us, and he does, we can believe he'll hear us. He'll hear our prayers. He'll hear our cries for help. And God will respond to our injustice or our concern, whatever's going on in our life. He'll, he hates injustice, by the way, but we know he will respond by his timetable, not ours. That's the part that gets us sometimes. How much longer, Lord? You know. See, we need to trust that he will respond to any injustice, that he will respond to any persecution. He will respond to these things that plague us. But it's in his timing, not ours. But he wants to know if he'll still find faith when he comes back. Will believers still be looking for him? Will they still be living for him when life really gets hard and unjust? Like what's going on in Ukraine now. That's so unjust, right? It's an unprovoked attack. See, persecution of any kind can cause the faithful ones to lose their enthusiasm. It gets hard. We get weary. And Jesus is encouraging us here, don't lose heart. Keep the faith. Don't give up. And this parable, it really should encourage every one of us not to give up praying. Not to give up praying for people. Not to give up praying for situations. Even when it looks hopeless. Even when it looks like evil's winning, even when we don't see any change, because we'd like to see some signs of change, right? Some signs of progress. At times we do, man. And when we do, that is encouraging. On Thursday, I took Miss Josephine. You know, Miss Josephine, Walter's widow, we took her to the eye surgeon in Chattanooga. We've made this trip four or five times now. And for those who may not know it, Miss Josephine is legally blind. She can see, but she has to hold things really close. And when I'm with her, I'm always nervous when she steps up on a curb. Can she see the curb well enough to not trip? And I'm her road dog, she calls me. I'm her chauffeur. Has anybody remember the movie Driving Miss Daisy? Morgan Freeman was the chauffeur for this little old lady. Well, me and Josephine are just the opposite. Instead of the black guy driving this little old white lady, it's the white old, old white guy driving the black lady around. And, and we go on our shopping trips and things. Well, anyway, on Thursday, she was sounding pretty discouraged that she had to go for another surgery. She's had cataracts removed. She's had cornea transplants put in. She's had other eye surgeries. 
to hopefully give her some vision back, to hopefully improve her vision. And apparently the, pr and the improvement in these four or five other surgeries hasn't been quite what she had hoped for. And she told me on the way down there, she said, Pastor, if this surgery doesn't help me, I'm done. I'm done. I don't do it anymore. She hasn't seen any change. She hasn't seen any good results. And I'm praying with her before the surgery for God to really improve her vision this time. So when we left, she was quiet. She was, you know, still loopy from the anesthesia a little bit. She didn't say much. Um, so the next morning, I text her just to see how she's feeling. How, how, has she seen any difference? And she said she did notice improvement. And she sounded little more upbeat so we thank the Lord for that and pray it continues to give her greater vision but she was getting tired she was getting tired of going back and forth back and forth having more surgeries more surgeries more surgeries and nothing seemed to change and we can get tired of praying for the same things over and over again when nothing seems to change am I right we need faith we need faith to persevere in prayer we need faith to keep praying and believing and trusting God even when we don't see anything changing what did we sing this morning? You are here, moving in our midst. Right? You are here, working in this place. Do we, do we believe that? I do. You are here, turning lives around, healing every heart. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working because Jesus is the way maker where we don't see a way. He's the miracle worker when we need a miracle. He's the promise keeper even when we break promises. He's our light in the darkness. So let's not just sing these songs. Let the lyrics be, be declarations and decrees of truth that we are speaking out into the atmosphere. Like I said last Sunday, our words have power on them, right? So these words we're singing, these, these praises to God and to Jesus, there's power on those words. And I'd like to think that it remains in this room so tomorrow when these teenagers come in here, they're going to be impacted by, by those truths about God and how he is a promise keeper, how he is a miracle worker, how he is a way maker. I want us to be a body of believers that Jesus can say, you know, those people at Joy Christian Fellowship, they have faith. I know they believe in me, Right? That's why Jesus asked, when I come back, am I going to find any faith here? I hope he finds faith here. And he can come back tonight. If you're ready, you know, anybody ready to go tonight? <laughs> but it's all in his time. But see, he knew things were going to get tougher. And then what? Were people going to give up? A lot of them did, right? A lot of his followers said, this is too hard if you were here. This teaching, who can accept this? This is too hard. And they left. And he asked his, his close 12, are you guys going to leave too? And where are we going? you got the words of eternal life. But a lot of people are still turning away from the Lord. People who are solid Christians, worship leaders, pastors, a lot of them are just, I don't know what happened. They're obviously being deceived, uh, but man... So will people give up or will they be devoted to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart even when life is really hard, right? And I wonder, what about us? Will we keep praying? Will we keep believing? Or will we give up and say, oh, what's the use? 
He ain't going to change. That's, that situation's not, I'm never going to get that job. I mean, whatever the situation is. The rotten judge in this parable granted this poor widow justice because she refused to give up. She was driving him crazy. It wasn't because he had any compassion on her. He just wanted to get rid of her. How much more will our loving Heavenly Father see that we get justice or we get answers if we keep praying and we don't give up? The widow was a stranger to this judge. He didn't want to have any association with her. But God calls us his children. His children! Right? He's our Abba. He's he's our Papa. He's our Daddy. We are his beloved children. He loves us so much. He sent Jesus to die for us. I hope you've received Jesus as your Savior because if not, we need to talk before you leave here because I believe time is short. And he's good. He's a good, that good, good father we sing about sometimes. He's good. He's not mean. He's just. He's not unjust like this judge was. He hates injustice. He's loving. He's not wicked. And we don't have to try to set up an appointment with him and try to catch him when he's not busy. He's never too busy for us. Sadly, oftentimes, we're too busy for him. Imagine it. We're too busy for the king of the universe. We must be really important people. Help us, Lord. Help us get over ourselves. Our Heavenly Father tells us that if we will call to him, he will respond to us. No appointment necessary. Never too busy for us. Look what God tells us. Jeremiah 33, 3. This is one of my favorite verses. Call to me and I will answer you. Isn't that amazing? Call to me. This is God saying, call to me. Dan, call to me, Jane, and I will answer you. Are you kidding me? And and get this part. And tell you, I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Unsearchable things. We can't find them. They're unsearchable. We can't Google them. We can't ask Siri. We can't find them because they're unsearchable. But God will reveal them to us. Isn't that an incredible promise from God's word? Man, call to me and I will answer you. Somebody might say, hey, well, well, guess what? I was in Nashville the other day, and I walked in his coffee shop, and Governor Bill Lee was there, and he said good morning to me. I got to talk to Governor Bill Lee. That may impress a few people. Somebody might say, so what? We, we went to Dollywood last week. We saw Dolly Parton. She was chowing down on some biscuits and gravy at Aunt Granny's restaurant. We got to talk with Dolly Parton, and that might impress some people. And Jeremy, I'm glad you're here today because I've got you in our message. <laughs> I know Chris and Jeremy got to talk with Chuck Norris a few years ago at an NRA convention, and that might appeal to a whole different group of people. That might really impress, impresses me. I've seen the pictures, too. He's a small guy. Anyway, but you know what? Every one of us in this room can say, oh, yeah? Well, I got to talk to the king of the universe today. I got to talk with the creator of heaven and earth today. I got to talk with El Shaddai today, God Almighty. And every one of us can say that because it's true. Call to me, he says, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. That's such an incredible prompt. When you stop long enough to really meditate on that verse, 
each word of that verse. Later, meditate on it, look at that, and keep repeating it out loud. That's an incredible promise. All right, let's wrap this up. One more passage of Scripture that instructs us to keep praying and not give up. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, Jesus instructs us to ask and to seek and to knock. Okay? And I really like how it's worded in the New Living Translation because this isn't just an ask once, just seek one time, just knock one time, don't keep knocking, just one time. It's not that kind of instruction at all. This is a continual process. Let's look at Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Jesus says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is telling us, keep on keeping on, right? He's telling us, be devoted to this prayer stuff. It works. So let's keep pursuing God. We pursue other things. Let's keep pursuing God. Let's keep persevering in prayer. You might say, I have been. I'm still waiting. A lot of us are. But the whole point of this parable of the poor widow and the rotten judge is to don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't give up on that prodigal. Don't give up on that lost loved one. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on how hopeless things may look. Don't stop praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. We know sometimes the answer is yes. Don't you love them? I love those when the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Not right now. You're not ready for it yet. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I am. I'm ready. I've been ready. No, you're not. Trust me. I know. I know what I'm doing. Sometimes, as we all know, the answer is no. We don't like those. And it's not because that God's a killjoy and he wants to deny us something good. He knows that what we think is good maybe isn't good for us at all. So sometimes the answer is no because God is trying to tell us, trust me, trust me, trust me. I've got something better for you if you'll wait on me. But do we have enough faith in God to really trust him when we want the answer now? Do we have enough faith to trust him with the answer to our prayers and then to trust him with the timing of his answer? That takes faith. <laughs> that takes faith. And Jesus is wondering if he'll find faith like that on the earth when he returns. So let's learn from that persistent widow and the wicked judge. Let's be devoted to prayer with alert minds and thankful hearts. And let's remember, if we will call on God, he will answer us. That's his words, not mine. And let's keep on asking. And let's keep on seeking. And let's keep on knocking. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. If you're able to stand with me for the closing prayer, if you want prayer for anything, I'll be up here for a while. Pray where you are. If you got to go, God bless you. Hope you come back next week. Lord, thank you for the truth in your word. Thank you for the promises in your word that, that sound too good to be true, but we know because you said them, they are true. Give us that faith we need to fully trust you without having a plan B if you don't come through when we want you to come through. Help us, Lord. Lay down our agenda, our plans, and pick up yours and trust you. 
Because you're a loving Father. You're not mean. You're not unjust. You're kind. You're compassionate. You're holy. You're righteous. And you call us to be holy. Let us not forget that. But you're so kind and loving. We are your beloved. And we can trust you. So help us trust you more. And Lord, once again, we pray you break off this attack on Ukraine, that you just confuse the leaders. And, and I'm going to pray that Lou Engel prayer over Putin. He seems to be a little egomaniac. We just pray, Father, give him a Damascus Road experience with you because he, like Saul of Tarsus, is breathing murderous threats. So we pray you convert him, you change him, or you remove him. Just take him out. And we just pray over the Russian people as well. A lot of them don't want to be there. Let them turn back. Let them refuse. I, I don't know all the details, but you do. You're sovereign over all things, even this. We just pray, protect the Ukrainian people. Protect those kids from the orphanages of servant orphans worldwide. Protect Gennady and his kids and, and, and the staff and from the youngest to the oldest. But Lord, we know these Ukrainian people are tough and resilient. They're not going to just cow down. They're, they're, and it, may, it may cost them. I hope not. But we're just praying, please, Lord, do what only you can do. Like we sang that song, that the nations would listen to you, Lord, that there would be a, a, a breakthrough in a way that can only be attributed to you and that we'll hear about supernatural encounters and supernatural experiences taking place, like the fog rolling in the other morning when they were trying to come in and they couldn't see their way through, the fog came in. Thank you, Lord. More, bring more of that supernatural activity and, and just confound the wise, can confuse the experts and, and just break off that, that threat, break off that attack in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.